Hey there, Black Mom Diaries. It's been an incredible 2022, and what a way to end the podcast this year than with our guest, Michelle Jackson, author, entrepreneur, survivor, favored woman of the most high. She has an incredible yet tough testimony that has the power to encourage so many. And I'm so excited to have her in the Black Mom Diaries virtual household on today's show. Trust me, today you're in the right place at the right time. So come on in and join us. Up next on the Black Mom. Hey y'all, this is Patricia. And I am LaTanya. And we are the Black Mom Diaries. Yes, we are. <laughs> we had discussed this. You know, we discussed this. Honey. We did. We, we got did. it. We did. New year, new goals. I know, right? right? And, or, well, not, I mean, yeah, new goals, but I mean, like, uh, Bigger we goals. Got our, yes. And most Bigger importantly, goals. we got our rhythm. <laughs> yes. That's what I did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Connects with other people her her grit like her willingness to keep at it even though it seemed like it wasn't for her she just kept at it and she eventually got it and because she continued to work so hard at it it paid off and it was even probably bigger than it could have been if it she it would have just come to her easily you know what i mean yeah so. and, and and inky johnson is one of the i really do like inky johnson he's a motivational um speaker um the football player almost lost his life with one hit and he said, he says all the time, are you committed to the process without the goal being met? Like, what it, where is your commitment to it? Yeah, we have the goal, but in the process, you learn so much. And however long it takes, that's what's building you to your goal, you know, your goal, you know? So yeah. I, I think about that as, you know, as we have projects and things like that, I'm like, you know what? I'm learning so much. Right. In this process, even though we haven't even got gotten to the goal yet, but you, exactly. stick, you stick with it. Yep. You stick with it. Yeah. So I had the a, family was, oh, I'm all rushing you. Go ahead. Tell oh, me no, I was just going to say one more thing. So in one of my former lives, cause I'm like a cat, I've had so many careers. <laughs> uh, I was I an actress. I don't know what I am. If you're a cat, I don't know what I am. <laughs> I call myself a cat. Cause uh, I've had a Phoenix so or something. But... I don't know. Something. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I um, I was an actress and I remember one of my coaches that I uh, worked with for a long time, he would always say, stay committed to being committed. Are you committed to being committed? And he would always do his fingers like this and be like, this is exactly what the process looks like. And people think the process looks like this, where it's really quick and fast because they see people that are, quote, overnight successes. But it's like it's this little bitty, like little bitty dots or little bitty lines drawn closely together on a piece of paper. That's oh. what the process is like. And if you're committed to the process or if you're committed to being committed, then you'll eventually get to the goal. But you don't like you don't always have to have the goal in sight. You just I mean, you can, obviously, but, you know, you just have to keep doing the thing that's going to get you there and focus on being committed to doing the thing, whatever it is. So, That's and I mean, it. it's like, just because, <laughs> I mean, you, you raise a good point, right? Because just because it doesn't always feel good and comfortable, um, doesn't mean that it's not for you. Mm -hmm. If you've been given an assignment, then regardless yep. of how uncomfortable it makes you feel, if this is what you're supposed to be doing, then 
Right. But 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 which is like motherhood, right? Like your first child you have, you'd be mm -hmm. like, somebody's really gonna trust me with taking this baby home. <laughs> like nobody's gonna watch me and make sure it lives. You know, I'm just saying it's like you're thinking all of these things when you bring home your child, like, and uh, am I gonna be able to choose the right school? Am I gonna say the right things at the right time? Are they gonna eat the right food? Or you know, and you're in the whole time, and then your child turns out wonderful, or or, or whatever, you know. Or what I'm not. Saying? Well, it, it just depends on or what whatever. your wonderful it, wonderful yeah. life is, because yeah. people breed serial killers, if you know what I'm saying. So that's true. So it, <laughs> it's true. It's true. No, I think I lost you. Are you there, Michelle? Okay. All right. So. Oh, did I go away again? Yeah, you did. Yeah, okay. So, so, just so that, that whole out. process. Yeah, <laughs> that whole process of raising your children. Like, I have a 13-year-old, and I still keep saying to myself, did I do everything right from zero to 13? But then I hear her talk to me. I hear our conversations. and. I'm pretty darn proud of myself, but that process was long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, people be like, they grow up fast. No, they don't. <laughs> Not to me, you know? Yeah. And so I have two other, you know, children, but I, it's just, like I said, when you have a child, you have a vision, you're trusted with the vision, however long it takes you to get there. All right. So what do we got going on? We didn't ask about the family today. Right. Family's good. They're I mean, you know, I'm I'm in my little my study. <laughs> I see it. Well, you get that stuff from girl. On the other yes, welcome to my, my grand study. Now on the other side, somebody's making noise. I don't know what they're doing, but you know what? It they're great. Yes. How's your family? Yeah, they're good. They're good. My daughter's in the football. I really like that because I grew up a football girl with four boys in the house. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we got three three boys in the house, you know, counting my husband. So it's really good to talk football with her. And she's all into the playoffs and stuff like that. And um, the boys don't want anything to do with football, even though they play. That is weird. Interesting. But maybe that'll come later. I don't know. <laughs> but I got my girl, me and my girl, we'd be sitting there watching the playoff game. So. You know what? That's how I. That's how I like to see it. So, so yeah. So you and your girl, y'all are doing the football thing, and yes, <laughs> yes, we watch football together, and I love that. Who do we have in the house today? Woo! Today, today, I'm so excited about today. <laughs> On this week's episode, we have the author, businesswoman, and mother of four, and survivor, Miss Michelle Jackson. And I said that really country, Miss Michelle Jackson. She will be sharing her inspirational story in hopes of encouraging others to never stop believing that the Most High loves you and has a plan for you. So I'm so excited about this one. And I just want to say, come on, Miss Jackson. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, how y'all doing? Good. How are you? Hey. I am doing great. I am doing great. I'm doing great. Welcome, welcome. It's so good to have you in the virtual Black Mom Diaries house. Thank you, and thank you. It's so good to be talking to you today about, <laughs> and I just want to like, for anybody, I'm flashing the book for anybody right here, and we're going to be talking <laughs> about this. 
I'm so excited, but we're going to be talking a little bit about you and your story. So let's just dive right in. Are you ready to dive right in? Let's get it. Let's get it. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about who Michelle Jackson is. That's the big one. (laughs) Well, um, Michelle Jackson is a God-fearing woman um, who is strong, um, courageous, um, and human. (laughs) um sometimes shy and yeah very much human (laughs) um I'm also an entrepreneur I'm a divorced woman um I sometimes fall and make mistakes um in life but I pull myself together and keep going I'm sort of an introvert And it's not because I don't like to be around anybody or people or, um, you know, go places or whatever. But um, it's because I try to stay focused because I can get distracted really fast. And so um, I just stay to myself um, and work on my dreams, my goals. And um, yeah, (laughs) I'm also... uh, a mother of four adult children and 10 beautiful uh, grandchildren. Did and, you see um, 10? Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I just want to let uh, the people know that I have known this woman for a while and she is definitely doing that in in so many ways and i the fact that you you said you were kind of an introvert which i'm like what really (laughs) because it's for as long as i've known you you've just had this big infectious joyful personality and i mean i just remember i remember long ago when i met you i was just like man she's just such a she seems like such a loving fun joyful person and i mean you always just had that about you and you just seemed like you could just go to anybody and just have this conversation with anybody so the fact that you said that that's very surprising to me (laughs) (laughs) yeah sometimes it kicks in like that where i'll just walk up to somebody or i'll compliment somebody in the streets or whatever but it's not always like that (laughs) yeah you have your moments. I think all introverts do. I know, I know for myself, I I am very much introverted, I think. And there are times when I'm just like, I just feel like I just need to, I just want to be out there and I just want to talk to everybody. And then other times I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be in the corner. Yeah. Don't look at me. <laughs> so yeah. but, but for extroverts, you know, I, I people say I'm an extrovert. I always say I'm an introvert, but that's because I like to write and you have to, I feel like you have to be introspective when you write, which you are a writer, because that's where you kind of pull out the knowledge for all the outside things that you've gone through, right? That's how mm-hmm. you kind of put the peanut butter and the jelly together, right? Exactly. So I like to sit by myself, like today, I didn't go outside. I didn't want to go and do anything, but honestly, I don't have to go outside for anybody to talk to me. But I was like, you know what? I, I just need, me and my introspective time so we there's a downtime and it's okay but it sounds like you know how to turn it on when you need to turn it on you know and that's a, and that's a great thing to to have so you have you have 
the four kids, um, the four mm -hmm. adult children, and then you have 10 grandkids. So you have, I know you have a mom philosophy. Share with the people, what is your mom philosophy? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to love the oldest, like I love the second, and it just didn't work at all. So uh, loving and nurturing uh, my oldest um, wouldn't be the same as I would do like for my second, my second oldest, that I had to learn how to uh, nurture and love them differently as individuals. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, because I know a lot of times people feel like I have to love my kids the same and mm -hmm. I have to treat them all the same. And I I have learned in in the the time that I've been a mom that that's not true. And I, my son, the oldest, he was pretty easy, easygoing and all of that. And so when my daughter came along, I was like, oh, no problem. Been there, done that. Even the pregnancy was different. Like it was mm -hmm. harder. And it was like I was being prepared for having her here because she definitely, I mean, my, both my kids challenged me, but she definitely challenges me in a way that I feel stuck. Whereas I can figure out how to, to get to, to a solution with my son. I feel like I'm learning every single day how to, how to, how to work things out with my daughter as far as discipline goes, because she's to me she's an enigma and i learned really quick i cannot discipline her the same way i discipline my son because it just it doesn't work so yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting that you said that and even just like you said like the nurturing and and like the the way that you love them is different and i think for a mom to say that sometimes people are like i can't say that because that makes me look like such a horrible person but it's it doesn't it's very, it makes you very aware, like your kids are different. And it doesn't mean that you love one more than the other. It's just different. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's totally different with my, my two oldest. I love them different than my, my third child. My third child, I feel like needs all of my attention <laughs> and even the other children they always say oh he's your favorite he's your favorite no he's not my favorite it's just that i have to play more of the mom role to him than i have to for the other the other two oldest boys and so because they're more you know on their own they have their families and everything and um they're doing their own thing so i'm just more like in the background with them too but with the third child, it's like, oh, I'm up front and center <laughs> with him. He don't have any kids. So it's always mama this, mama that, mama that. Let's do this, mama. Can you do this? Mama, how do I do this? So I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's totally different. It's totally different. And yeah. teaching your children that they all have a special place. What I always tell my children, you guys have a special place in my heart, just on different sides. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, all y'all in there. But um, you know, it's just that one of y'all, this little this it it does this. So one it, it be faster on one side, you know. All of them say the same thing. He's your favorite, she's your favorite because she's the oldest. Well, I have the middle child syndrome. Nobody ever told you that word. I don't even know where you got it from. So I don't know. So I don't know what the middle child syndrome is because you all get 
the the attention that you need mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. and we always ask them what do, what is it more do you need something else and they're like mom, no mom i'm fine which they don't know really like my eight-year-old is not going to be like I, i've had all your attention today mom and dad that's enough you know <laughs> he's not going to say that but we can say all right let's take our attention to our you know our daughter she's 13 she's about to go to middle school let's see what she needs at this time do you feel like you have that same philosophy with your grandkids or is it is that just something completely different i feel like it's the same because five of them are stair steps they're like right behind each other and so um like one, I can do the hugging and the kissing and the Nana's baby, but then the other one is like, okay, that's enough for today. You know, you get one hug, you get you get one kiss, you know, and um, one of them is like very independent, and another one is like I have to show him how to be independent, and once I show him, then you know, he takes off from there, but yeah, it's totally different with my grandkids. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds really like it's, it's about just knowing who they are as individuals and giving all of them what they need. And sometimes that can change, like Latanya said, depending on the season that the child is in, Mm -hmm. but just being aware of that. So yeah, that's a great philosophy. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> what about how you were raised? Talk to us about about that. Ooh, okay, let's see here. Where do I start? I don't want to say too much because most of it is in the first book. So I'll just, you know, touch on a few things. I was raised in um, a loving two-parent home up until about the age of nine. Uh, my dad was military. My mom was a, a stay-at-home mom. I grew up in a Baptist church. So, of course, we was at church all week long, I feel like. <laughs> Every time we turned around, we were in church. Um, my parents divorced when I was about nine or 10 years old. And as a young child, I was shuffled back and forth between my parents. And then, like, later on down the line, my dad was no longer in the picture. So it was just my mom. I was very, very sheltered and very naive, you know, to um, to life itself. You know, I didn't learn a lot um, once my parents divorced. Yeah, that's how I was raised. And I know um, we've talked about before just how um, a lot of how we're raised can affect us as parents um, in different ways. So how was how you were raised? How was how you were raised? Um, how did it play into your your role as a mom? Um, growing up with my mom in the home played a major part in how my life as a young mother started. Um, not having the proper uh, upbringing, nurturing, nurturing, and um, like the structure, even being taught um, this and that about life, I didn't get that chance. Um, at the age of fifteen, I was left by my mom in a city where I didn't know anybody. I was 15 years old. And shortly after that, I became a mother at 16. I didn't know anything. Um, I was very naive because of being sheltered. Um, I didn't have a rule book. I didn't have a playbook or a blueprint, (laughs) you know, to teach me 
um, how to be a mother. So I learned on my own, you know, as I went, as I was having children, I learned on my own. And because of that, I made a lot of mistakes and went through a lot of um, trauma in life. So I simply, you know, I, I just, I didn't know. I didn't, um, I didn't know growing up and learning the values and morals um, and seeing that structure in the home was something that would be so very valuable in me raising my children. So not growing up um, in a two-parent home and having that upbringing and nurturing in the home, it really does play a major part in how we as mothers raise our children. So I, I want to take, I want to go back just a little bit. Okay. So you said you're, you were in a two-parent home and then your parents split, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I like to connect the dots with my questions because I always want our audience to kind of see how this relates to this. And you mm -hmm. can just say, I like this or I don't. I like to ask these questions. How did that experience connect with your experience with being with a partner in your relationships? What did that do to you? Or how did that shape your, your thought process with how you were going to be with in a relationship going forward, having children? Growing up, um, with my parents there and then um, the divorce, I thought that's how relationships was supposed to be. I didn't have my father around at a certain age growing up. And then all of a sudden I didn't have my mom around. And so when I had my children, the only thing that I could think of at that time was I wasn't leaving them at an early age. I refused to let anything happen to where I wouldn't be in their lives until they're actually grown, you know, and then I, I will be able to step back. I had doubts, I had fears, and then I had thoughts like, okay, is this how it's supposed to go? Why is this happening? I don't think that's right. Raising my children, I knew that in my heart that I was not going to leave my children. I was going to be there for them 100%, whether their father was around or not. Yeah, it just, it really had me confused. It had me confused. It had me just wondering, like, is that right? You know, going back and forth, wavering, yeah. it played a big part. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Cause those are hard questions. And I know they are, cause I have to, you know, I've had to answer them with, with, you know, being married and having children and not, and we've mentioned this before parenting from your trauma, um, mm -hmm which is basically how we parent, you know, but it's, I, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I love this, but you took, cause I do, you took the children <laughs> road, like, I'm, cause you're important to me, you know, mm -hmm. whereas some take the man road, you know, let's be real people out there. I'm mm -hmm. going to hold on to you. I don't care what's going on. You mine. And you know, Whereas you wanted to protect your children, you didn't want them to feel like you felt like exactly. I don't care, nobody else. But you, you know, and and that's really, you know, how do you, you see that fork in the road where sometimes you talk to people and be like, no, I really wanted them to have a father in their life, so I really didn't care. So that was, I mean, like I said, I I would choose the road too, 
but I just, that's very, that's very great. I, I, you know, your children are your future. That person can get it together, you know. Right. <laughs> you can't really change an adult, but you have the opportunity yes. to really uh, change a legacy through the children that you have and that you bring into mm -hmm. this world. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and actually that that brings us to, to our next question, which um, is your book and it says the the title is man rejected me but god chose me and this is volume one damaged goods so i just want to say again congratulations on your book you <laughs> recently released it i got my copy right here <laughs> thank you thank you um, yeah so i gotta get it i yeah. love that title yeah so and i mean yeah latanya your question was very much like in line with the the question was in line with the title. Um, so Michelle, what was your, what was your inspiration in this book? Like, wh why did you write it? Where did it come from? What inspired me to write the book was I didn't want anyone my age or younger to go through any of the trauma and mistakes that I went through in life. And also I wanted to break the, um, the generational curses in my family tree so that my grandkids don't have to go through what I went through. I also wanted to inspire women and men um, who have a story. You know, everybody have a story um, to speak up and not only speak up about their trauma, but to also like empower, empower themselves and others um, who have went through the rejection and the hurt and the pain that we've all been through in life. It's, it's not healthy to hold on to all of that. It's not. And um, I wanted to, to inspire people. I wanted to write my story so that other people my age, younger or my age now didn't have to, don't have to go through it. You know, um, sometimes we sit and, and we, we harbor all of this stuff in us and it's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. And my thing was, I know that I was created for a purpose. I know that I was created to help someone. And it was my, it's my story that's going to help the future generation. And that, that's, that right there inspired me because if I can help just one person, I've, I've done my job, but I know it's going to be millions. So I'm good. <laughs> I love that. Let's go. You know, as a as a as a habitual book writer, you mentioned your grandchildren. I was at the sink today, and because you know that's where we think when we're washing dishes. Sometimes you know that's that. So I was like, what a you know. A lot of my friends had children early, like fourteen, in between that, and most of their children are graduating. Some of them are nanas now, and we're forty two years old. And, you know, I got started, you know, late, but I, you know, but I'm thinking to myself, the best thing that I could do for my future generation is to write books so they never have to wonder about where their, who their ancestor is, who God has started. Well, I might have someone down Come the line, now. you know, that is like one of your grand, great grandbabies might like to write. And they'll be like, where did I get this from? So then your grandbaby's going to be, you know, your, your great grandma. Let me give you her book, baby. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's where that enter. That's where that's what I think you won't. So they won't ever have to wonder. Yes, they're going to have this experience with you as they are until you get ready to transition. But look what you leave them. Look at the greatness mm -hmm. that they're going to experience. Yes. And that's yes. that's what I love. That's what I love about writing. And I think if people thought from that perspective, they wouldn't let anything on the outside stop them from sharing their experience. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. That's really good. It takes a lot. Let me tell you. I work with people a lot. It takes some guts to write your story. Look at that. See? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And how many people are searching for their ancestors? Well, you know, of all the things that's happened, how many people are trying to find out who their great grandma, great granddad is, and who, who you know, they're gonna have to look far. It's mm -hmm. right on the bookshelf. Right, right on the bookshelf, mm -hmm. that part. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so so because it like you having to revisit a lot of the things in the book because there's some there's some heavy stuff, right? Um, what was that experience like? Like how did you because you said you fought it? Was it just like God was like, you need to just do it, or was there a process that got you to to saying okay? What was it? What was that process? Growing up, I always journaled. I always like just wrote everything down. Like even when I had conversations with God, I would write them down as if I'm speaking to him. And so um, one day I was in the Walmart line. I think I was probably about, look, I'm going to give away my age. Um, I was like 30, maybe 31, 32. And um this older lady, she looked like someone's grandma. She could have been my grandma. And um, she was behind me. And she tapped me on my shoulder. And um, she said, baby, just write the book. And I was like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was like, you want to go in front of me? <laughs> you know, and for a while, I thought about, she didn't know me. She don't know me from Adam or Eve, you know, and for her to allow God to speak through her, to speak to me, it meant something to me. And so I still fought it. I still fought it. And so I would visit different churches. Um, my church, my home church would visit different churches or different pastors would come. And I would always go up to altar call and, and you know, get prayer and everything. And it always never fails. He said, you need to start on the book. And I keep saying, oh, God, you know, I don't want to do that, you know, because growing up, you know, in my my home, and I'm sure in a lot of others, it was always what's done in this house stays in this house. You know, I didn't want nobody to look at me uh, funny or, you know, I didn't want people judging me or talking about me. So I was like, nope, hands off. I'm not doing it. And so one, one night, well, it was actually morning. He woke me up. God woke me up in the middle of the night. And um, he gave me two words and it was living transparent. And so I'm like, what do you want me to do with it? He said, I need you to research what living is and I need you to research what transparent is. And once you get it, I need you to come back to me. And so 
I researched it. I, I found out what it meant and I went back to God with it. And um, he said, it's time because there's women and men and children waiting for your story. And so I cried, I cried and I cried because I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want people to judge me. I didn't want my family to turn against me. And so um, he said, I got you. God told me that he had me. He said he had me and he would protect me. And so I started, I started writing the book. And um, I started off, it took me three and a half years to write the book because it was so painful. And so um, I started off, um, and by the time I got to the end, I, I ended up with one. It was only one standing, one publishing company standing that stuck with me the whole time. And so I was still like nonchalant about writing a book. But, you know, like when you get in the ring and you start boxing and you start fighting and on the 11th round, you get tired and you get knocked out the ring. That's how it was every time I finished the chapter, because the emotion and the the, the feeling was just so painful. And so I would take a break. And so I was on the fifth chapter last year uh, around this time, October, November and December. And so. God woke me up in the middle of the night and I wasn't working on anything. So I, I had, I, I had put myself in uh, self-retirement. That's what I call it. And so all I wanted to do was just, you know, get myself together and heal. And um, God woke me up. He said, I need you to finish the book by the end of December. I need you to pass it along to the, the publishing company by January to the 2nd. That's when they got back into the office after the holidays. I said, okay, Lord. And he said, in five days, they're going to call you with a decision. Now, the publishing company that I went through, what happens is you send them your manuscript. They have five days. Each board member gets um, a copy of the manuscript <clears throat> and they take it and they read it. And they have four days to come back together and say, yes. Let's go ahead and publish it. Or no, I don't think it's worth publishing. And so um, God said, they're going to come back in five days before your birthday and give you a yes. And, and doesn't it feel good to be protected and directed? Come on now. Yes. I, I love that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, you're not writing the book to be comfortable. You're writing the book to heal. It to took heal. you those three years to get to where you are today. And even though it's still emotional for you, there are still, there are things that have been just opened up for you and just moved aside just because you were obedient, right? And you mentioned everybody who wants to write a personal story thinks like you think. You know, I got in trouble for my first book, you know, and you know, my mom was really worried about what you, what are you going to say about me? What do you, well, I'm going to tell them how I felt because I know there's millions of people out there that grew up without their mom, <laughs> you know, and they may have these things going on, but you're here to free the people who you're here to free. And then they may go on to write a book. Exactly. I'm sorry, everybody. It's not about you. You're just this little piece. You ain't even 10% of the population. I care about your feeling, but if this hurts your feelings, then you need to go deal with your trauma. Right? Because that's how you, 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 
they don't lay down with you every day. Wow. Wow. You know, if you're wow. in an unrest period, do they all come and sit by your bed and be like, girl, you still affected by your mama and your daddy? No. They don't do that. Almost cursed. But I don't care about nobody else. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just, you know, because this is what I'm here for. That's what you're here to do. I ain't got to tell you that because you know that. But a lot of people just need to hear that. If they turn their back on you, that's not a you problem. That's a them problem. Come on. You know what? Right? That was my next t-shirt. Come on. <laughs> well, there it is. You can have it. T-shirt. <laughs> Come on. Because you have no idea, time. You just spoke to my, my entire soul right there. Because my mom is against me, my sister is against me, my dad is against me, and I was actually in a state to where I was going back and forth. Like, God, should I did that? God, you know, when the whole time God said he was going to give me the blueprint, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. You know, that's my truth. That's yeah. my story. Right. You know, right. and you gonna have to go somewhere and deal with your trauma, with the things that you're still dealing with at your age. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to keep fighting the rest of my life to heal, to be released uh -oh. from yeah. all of this bitterness and, and hate and pain and, and rejection. You know what I'm saying? It, it has to happen now. Mm -hmm. The season is now. And mm -hmm. so here it is. You know, Absolutely. so you can like it or love it. <laughs> you know, yep. that's a damn problem, not a me problem. Right. And I even had someone say, I'm going to go write a book to counter your book. Go ahead on, because that show your character, not mine. That part. <laughs> Don't tell on yourself. They'll be looking, they'll be trying to go find my book, Thanks for the Sale, mm -hmm. to figure out what you're talking about. Yeah. And you know what? It's not so... <laughs> As parents, and I can say this, I, I'm not going to speak as your parents. I'm going to speak as me as a mom. I only know a little bit. I don't know the whole the whole story. God already knows your story from beginning to end. And mm -hmm. he knows exactly why you're here. And as a mom, I could tell my kids, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. But I am not their God. I am their parent. <laughs> That mm -hmm. was, they were given to me by the most high. And so if he gives them an instruction, who am I for them to say, say to, for them to listen to me over, mm -hmm. over the most high. And it's hard because you, you grew up with your parents, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't know your whole story and all the people that you can impact. And like LaTanya said, if she hadn't written her book because she was afraid of hurting somebody's feelings, what, where would that person be? The picture book up. Exactly. So assignments are not easy. But they're not, they're uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the whole, the, the fact that you even made the decision that you were gonna do it, be obedient, even though it wasn't easy, that's the very beginning of changing your family tree and opening things up for the generations coming after you. And you're, and you're so much better because of it, you know? Yes, and I am. You're so much more open. And now I, you don't have to pass that down. Like there are so many things that my daughter doesn't have to deal with that I dealt with. 
you know, same thing for my sons. My husband is a phenomenal dad. Like I love that, you know, I want me and Patricia to live next door to each other so that our husbands can be, you know, dad whispers because my husband, you know, cause, cause he does, he leads like a men's group and they call, I hear his phone calls talking to them, but I can truly say he's like that to my sons. You know, if something happens with them, he's like, let's go in the room, son. Let's have, you know, they think, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. But, you know, there's like, no, he's going to, he, they're going, he's going to have a talk with them and say, look, I don't know what y'all talk about, but I, it's, it's dad and, and son stuff. Just like my daughter and I, and and that's just what healing does. Mm-hmm. It frees up and it opens that space for you to be available for your work, for your purpose. And this clearly is your purpose. It's my purpose. And you know, it, it's it's crazy because as you were speaking, um, God just reminded me um, about a prophet that spoke into my life that didn't have anything, didn't know anything about me, and this is. This was maybe about a few months before I finished the book. And um, I jumped on a live on Facebook and he just called my name out and he just started speaking into my life. And he told me that God was going to reward me for picking up the things in the world that my family didn't want to pick up. He said, he said for my obedience um, that God was going to just, just open up the gates of heaven for me. And because my family don't want to do it, my family don't want to move forward. And he said, I see you walking around. This is what the prophet said. He said, I see you walking around with a, like a basket, picking up the things and putting them in the basket. I was like, my God, my God. But yeah. And that's trickling down to the people that are coming or track back or whatever to people that are coming after you. And the, mm-hmm. all your grandchildren, your your children, they're seeing this. They're seeing their mom and their their nana do this. Yep. So it gives them permission. They can think like if their purpose, whatever their purpose may be, if it's hard, they can say nana did it or my mom did it. Mm-hmm. She was obedient, and and it was okay. Because the outcome, like you were more blessed because of obedience than than not being obedient. And I love, I mean, I love that you're a change maker. You are, you, (laughs) you're changing your family tree just with, with what you did. Just Mm -hmm. that one thing that you did. I'm like, well, the the many things that you'll do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's that's just, that's like the beginning right there. And I mean, you've already done so much. Like you said, you're a businesswoman and you've done a lot of different things and you have a nonprofit where you're helping people. And I mean, I could just go on. This woman is amazing and her children are amazing. Her son has a nonprofit and his, I see him rising. And that's because of his, what he sees in you. You know, so I'm just like, man, y'all just don't know. <laughs> and, and and what the audience didn't hear was our before conversation was that her son, I don't know if it was, you know, it's just one of them, right? Was telling you, get out there and share your message. Yeah, that, it was just that, one, Anthony. Yeah, that's the biggest to me. That's the biggest compliment mm-hmm. because somebody else believes you believes in you that 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 scripture uh, where two or more 
um, I gather that's not that's not just oh help us that's if I don't believe in me and my person believes in me I can't fail because they not gonna let me you know so I got enough mustard seeds whole mustards whatever you want to call it (laughs) he got enough for you and guess what he did he made that mountain move didn't he he made it move there you go see Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the biggest thing oh I, I, I look at life like that like you yeah. you know the word is is great you just need to know how to apply it to your apply life it. mm-hmm. yeah. it's not there to just correct you come on now you know so <laughs> it's there to show you that it works yeah it works <laughs> so how can people get your book how can they get it if they want to read it which y'all need to get the book <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can get the book at Barnes and Nobles. Um, you can get it on uh, BAM, which is Books a Million. You can get it Amazon. You can get it uh, iTunes. And there's going to be like a few more other spots where you can pick it up as well. But um, you can definitely go to Barnes and Nobles, put it in your cart, pay for it. It's $13.95 for the uh, paperback and it's $9.99 for the digital copy. All right. Well, y'all get the book. Y'all better go and run and out there get, and get, it. get the book. And then, so I like I said, you are a businesswoman and you have some other things going on. Is there anything happening uh, that you want to tell the people about? Anything online? Anything uh, in person that you want to share? No, I'm just gearing up for next year so that I can be traveling to do my book signings. Um, I'm going to Dallas, Texas. I'm going to Houston, Texas. And then I'll be going to Seattle as well to do a book signing. So um, you guys can follow me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, and see the different spots that I'll be going to get all the information you need to um, know where I'll be at. So you can pull up. (laughs) I'm going to pull up. (laughs) You're going to be in Dallas. That's two hours from me. Let's go on a road trip, Patricia. I cannot. Oh man, that's so If you fly, I'll buy. Hey, let's do it. What what's your Instagram? My Instagram is Black Author. How'd you get that? What? (laughs) See, some things are just divine. It's just divine. How you get black author? Like I love it. It's so it's so it's so simple, but it's powerful. You know how I many? I don't know. I bet people say that's not. I bet that's not even uh, available. You know. <laughs> I just took the chance because I was like, okay, Lord, give me something. Exactly. And then I put um, it's it's actually ATX Black underscore Arthur. Yeah, so y'all look for her on Instagram and follow her, follow her story and pull up because she's going to be doing a lot of things in 2023. And then, and then, and that's just the beginning. Again, that's just the beginning for more to come. So let's, let's, let's play the game. Yes. Let's play the game. We're going to play the game. I wrote down (laughs) special questions for her, actually. Uh, But I want to, I I just got to go back. One more thing. I know we, you know, we didn't, you know, shed a little tear on here and everything, but I want to talk about, you said, I don't, we talked about introvert, extrovert, you, you, and, and I want to get it right. You said that you didn't go, um, 
like you wanted to get, didn't want to be distracted. Uh, maybe I'm saying, you, you know what I'm referring to? Mm -hmm. Because you said you had, you know, I don't go out as much or as I don't put myself, I don't know what you meant by that. And I really kind of want you to talk about that because when you are in your purpose and you do many things, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, so a lot of people ask, ask me, how can you write 15 books? How can you do three podcasts? How can you homeschool? How can you, you know, do this and do that? Well, I want to know from you what you meant by that distraction when you were uh, away from the things that I guess that matter. Tell me about that. Cause you, you know what I'm referring to? Yes. Yes. So, um, I'm an introvert, but I like being around people. I like um, doing things with people, you know, out in the world. But at this time and this season, God has me to myself so that I can focus on the blueprint that he have for me. Because I've wasted so many years before, you know, doing things that I thought was God, but it was just really me. And so in order to know that I'm doing it correctly, to order to in order to know that God is leading me, um, I stay to myself so that I can stay focused on God. Because if I stay focused on God, he's going to provide and, and give me my every path, my every step that I need to do. And I don't want to get ahead of him and I don't want to fall behind. And so um, I just stay to myself so I can write for one and so that I can stay focused on God so that he can give me my next step. You know, it's coming. <laughs> and I'm not saying anything that if that's, but if you would have noticed your season, because mm -hmm. there's, there's two, there's like two months sometimes where I'm just writing, 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 and I won't write mm -hmm. again for eight months because I'm supposed to be yeah. doing something else. But if you're telling somebody I'm a writer, I understand speaking it into existence, <laughs> but if you but if you haven't really kind of sat with yourself or did to to do what you want, you know, you won't be ready. You mm -hmm. won't be in alignment. That thing will miss you like a, a freight train. Yep. You know, and that's a lesson. So what it says: always be, always stay ready, so you don't have to be get ready. ready. So you don't that have part, to be ready. yes. And in the in the Bible, it says, "Be ye always ready." Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. I love just it. To let y'all know, uh, volume two. I'm working on volume two. Okay. Which is man rejected me, but God chose me. Volume two, dealing with it. So okay. it just let you, you know, give insight on how I dealt with most of the stuff that I went through. Look at that. She already on volume two. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. And, and, and it's not even closed. Like when I say closed, you're like, yeah, it's five volumes. You're going to just write and just let it flow out. Love just it. let it flow. That's what's going on. Mm -hmm. All right. So we play this little quick fire game. Thank you so much for that. I, I want to be grateful. You're welcome. I'm so grateful for your vulnerability and just your authenticity. We need a whole lot. We need people to get ugly. And I mean, not mm -hmm. that you're a beautiful woman, but when I say ugly, talk about all the ugly things because we've been through some ugly stuff. Yeah, all it's the grime. Right. The reason people like to look at mess 
is because they're in their mess. Come on now. And you can't clean it up until you start to clean up your mess and then you'll start seeing the beautiful thing <laughs> that's out there. But we need to get ugly. And I like that. I love that. Thank you for being that vessel. Thank I'm, you. I'm, You're welcome. I'm, I'm grateful for the creator for that. So we're going to play a game. You have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's only like eight questions, so I ain't going to stress you out too much. But the first okay. thing that comes to your mind, are you ready? I'm ready. Ready? Player one. All right, let's go. The first question is best child repellent. <laughs> Vaseline. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Y'all can't see our face right now. I'm glad y'all can hear it. Uh, we gonna go to the next one. <laughs> I know somebody that muted their car radio. They radio right now. Oh lord. Okay. <laughs> Which would you choose, truth or dare? That Vaseline. Oh. My guilty pleasure is Pepsi. Oh my too. I love it. Either that or Dr. Pepper. I don't Dr. know. Dr. Pepper. See? Yeah, something. Okay. Um, never have you ever. Never have I ever dated a white man. Hey, okay. <laughs> never okay. have I ever. I ever. He might have some in his blood or somewhere. <laughs> Service or sacrifice? Service. Cruise or staycation? Staycation. <laughs> You don't like cruising? No. <laughs> I can't swim. I can't either, but I will go on a cruise in a minute. Make sure I know where the pedal is on that boat. I will, girl, I will go on a cruise in a minute. Yeah, now, now, listen to this. You're going to fill in the blank. I remember the time I blanked and my child said blank. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I remember the time when I got drunk and <laughs> fell asleep on the porch. Okay. And my oldest son opened up the door and he was like, Mom, are you all right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mom, you all right? You coming to cook? Something going on? You need something? Here's the last one. Who did it better? Aunt Vivian or Carol Brady? Um, Vivian. <laughs> Y'all ain't like the way Carol went and got her a man to take care of her and her three. Vivian it's held a story. <laughs> Carol was like looking for the peak girl. Carol was like, uh-uh, not these by myself. No, ma'am. No, sir. <laughs> okay, I like it. Aunt Viv. Yes, yes. Aunt Bob. Good job. Thank you so much. We always have so much fun. We never know what someone is going to say mm -hmm. and um and you have you you got to be in the top five right now i mean that was look you know what i would can you see me <laughs> yes what, what that say wow. right five. and you know what <laughs> one of my best friends when we first met about four years ago she said i'm gonna ask god to give me a name for you and she called me top five. I kid you not. Every time she called me, every time she texted me, top five, what you doing? <laughs> there you go right there. And, and it's crazy because um, 
um, so I don't do intuitive uh, give, um, game questions, right? I just keep them the same. But today it was like, no, nah, she needs something. You need to put these down. So I wrote them when you were talking. Some of them we use, but I don't know. That was, it was just something about you that grabbed. That wow. Grabbed. You got that. You got that. You got that vibe. <laughs> that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes. But thank you so much for playing the game. You're welcome. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, before we uh, leave the virtual Black Mom Diaries house, Michelle, is there any words of encouragement that you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, sure. Um, I share this with everybody and anybody that um, I speak to, anybody that has read, read my book. It's also in my book as well. I want you guys to always remember that broken crayon still color. I love yeah. that. I almost said that earlier. And the they thing do. is, when you when you look at a final piece, you don't even know that it was it was colored with a broken crayon. You don't even know. Well, yeah, thank like you that. so much for being on the show today. You're and welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, this has been great. And everybody listening, thank y'all so much for joining us today. We know that y'all could have done whatever anything else for the last hour but you chose to be with us listening to our special guests so we just thank y'all so much and if y'all want to connect with us you know you can find us on facebook twitter or instagram search black mom diaries and go to the online store i see latonya's i like the back like we gotta i can't even people can't see it all but what did you say I don't it's dynamic, dope, dedicated. What is that? That's the definition of a black mama. Yeah. Um, so much more than that. So I was drinking you, out of my cup too. Were you really? Yes, my daughter likes to drink out of my cup. I'm like, you're nice. not a black mom yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just you wait. But yeah, y'all shop, shop the store. It's shop.blackmomdiaries.com and you can get your black mama swag. You can get a little swag for the little ones too. But until next time, I am Patricia. And I am LaTanya. Thank you and for listening to Black Mom Diaries. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Black Mom Diaries. If you like what you heard, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. If you'd like to partner with us financially, check out ways to do so on Anchor or Spotify. You can support monthly or give us a one-time donation. No amount is too small. Until next time, thank you again for listening to the Black Mom Diaries.